I want to preach to you this morning, teach whatever, uh, about some of the deceptions of Satan and uh, some of the dangers that uh, you can get into it as young people or as uh, middle-aged or older people that will mess up your life probably more than anything. Uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 6 uh, talks about different sins that people can commit. And they say most of the sins you commit are out of the body. But some of the sins you commit are with your body and are in the body. It's talking then it gets into fornication and that kind of sin. And uh, says those are worse because they're in the body. And I mean, I don't know worse or whatever, but uh, sin is sin. But God does highlight those in 1 Corinthians 6 and talks about the fact that, you know, this is different. Uh, some of the most deceptive uh, lies that Satan is telling uh, people, especially young people today, uh, some of the most destructive sins are sins that you can commit with your body. Uh, according to the Bible, the condemnation of it is, is intense. God calls a lot of it abomination, and we'll preach about that today. And then beyond that, just the implications of it and what it's going to do to your life. I mean, some things you, you sin and, and uh, you know, you confess it, you get old. I mean, you know, you probably get past a lie. There's some sins you commit with the body that the implications and the long-term effect of it are just different. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not suggesting you commit any sin. But uh, you know, some of it's worse. And some of it has, and some of it has more implications as it affects your life and your future and your ability to to get along and enjoy life and serve God than other things do. And uh, anyhow, uh, some of the lies that Satan is telling you, you know. Well, let's stop and pray, and we'll get to Scripture and uh, a lot of that this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the time, lead and guide my mind. You know I've thought and prayed about this and worked on message and outline and notes. Pray that you'd communicate uh, the truth from your word uh, to the young people and the adults, uh, all of us that are here today. Holy Spirit, speak to hearts as I speak to ears. I need your help. Pray that you'd guide and bless in Jesus' name. Amen. But, you know, uh, again, God made the world. God made everything. And uh, since God made us and he made the world, he made the human body, then God has the right and uh, has taken the initiative to tell us how to use our body. And, uh, you know, God defines how to use it. I started saying uh, sometimes recently and different young people and so on, but, you know, God is right about everything. You know, if the Bible says anything about something in life, the Bible's right. God is right about everything. The Bible doesn't give us the answer to every question in life. I taught math, majored in math at Princeton University and taught math. Well, there's a lot of, cal you know, don't find anything about calculus in the Bible. The Bible doesn't speak to everything, but everything on which the Bible speaks, it's right. You don't judge secular education by, you know, you don't judge the Bible by a secular education. You judge what the secular world is telling you based on the Bible. God made it. God wrote this book. God is right about everything. 
And uh, some of the most deceptive, destructive lies the devil is telling, thought about talking about, uh, titling this something about three lies of Satan. Number one, homosexuality is acceptable. Number two, your gender is determined by your feelings. And number three, it's okay to have multiple partners as you go through life. That's all the lies out of the devils, out of hell. There's nothing in the Bible like that. Turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 1. You know, God made it. He started it. He set up the guidelines and the rules. Uh, as you look at, uh, as you read the Bible here, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26, says, And God said, Let us make man in our image. And I think that's exciting. You and I are made in the image of God. All the animals are made after their kind. Bible says God made this animal, that animal, fish, birds, whatever, after their kind. But when he came to human beings, he said, let us make man in our image. You and I are created in the image of God. We're supposed to act like God. We're not supposed to act like animals. Animals are supposed to act like animals. They're created after their kind. You and I are created in the image of God. We're supposed to act like God. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over uh, every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. God made the world. <clears throat> he made only males and females. That's all he made. And Adam and Eve... <clears throat> the first male and female had children, every one of them, and every one of their descendants has been male or female. Nothing else. So well, I read, I heard, my teacher said, look, you judge your teacher by what the Bible says. You can judge my message by what the Bible says. If it doesn't match the Bible, then it's not right. The Bible doesn't speak about everything, but about everything the Bible speaks, the Bible is right. Uh, male and female created he them, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply. I'll turn two pages. Uh, Be fruitful and, there it is, and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that creepeth upon the earth. And, uh, you know, God created man and woman. You go into Genesis chapter 2, you've got the same kind of story. Uh, or, yeah, that is where I want to be, Genesis chapter 2 and uh, verse 20. God gave Adam gave names to all the cattle, Genesis 2.20, and to the fowl and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found in help meat for him. And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which God, the Lord God had taken from man made he woman, a woman and brought her unto the man. You know, and Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And uh, God made men and women. Every example in the Bible of a marriage is a man and a woman. I mean, the Bible talks about, that's it. And marriage and Adam and Eve were brought together uh, to replenish the earth. The only way you can replenish the earth, the only way you can have children is a man and a woman. 
Somebody says, well, he, well I'm getting ahead of my message. Uh, part of the purpose of marriage is children. Uh, you're supposed to multiply and fill the earth. And according to, the, according to nature and according to si or science and according to the Bible, the only way you do that is with a man and a woman. That's it. You must have, you know, it has to be that way. Homosexuality is an abomination in the sight of God. Leviticus 18.22, back in the Old Testament. Uh, God, and I don't, you don't need to necessarily turn to all these, but you can if you want to. Uh, Leviticus 18.22 says, Thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind. It is an abomination. That's about as clear as you could be, isn't it? Somebody says, well, the Bible doesn't say it's wrong. Sure it does. The Bible says it's an abomination. doesn't even just say it's wrong. The Bible says it's an abomination. Homosexuality is an abomination. It's a sin. And uh, somebody, well, I was, anyhow, uh, turn your Bible and uh, why don't you turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 25. And, uh, you know, you get into looking at the Bible and what the Bible teaches on this kind of thing. Romans 1.25. Talking about people here who've sinned and messed up their lives and gone against God. Verse 25. These who, these sinners, changed their life, changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, because they turned away from God... God gave him up to vile affections. Vile affections, not good affections. Brother Fugit, I think it was last night, uh, mentioned you know, the, the desire of a man for a woman, the desire of a woman for a man. That, that's, God placed that in your heart, in your body. It's a good desire. Within marriage, it's blessed and wonderful. Improperly used, it can become an abomination. But uh, anyhow, uh, for vile affections. What vile affections? For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly. You look up the word unseemly, it means inappropriate, wrong. And received in themselves a recompense for their error, which was meat, which was appropriate. They got punished for it. And again, if you read the Bible, yeah, there's, God couldn't have been any more clear. Right. Men leaving uh, the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly. Women did the same thing. Both of them are wrong. Both of them are an abomination. According to Leviticus, abominations are things that are sins at all time. It's a sin in the Old Testament. It's a sin in the New Testament. It'll be a sin in the millennium. It's a sin. Somebody said, well, I mean, you know, now, it's a sin. God will forgive you. But you don't have to keep continue. You don't have to continue sinning. You, I mean, say, Brother George, anyhow, uh, God calls it a vile affection. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And the word convenient, look it up in Webster's 1828, meant in 1611 by what we, what we mean today by right, appropriate, 
suitable. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, you know, and so on. Haters of God. Uh, verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. And that predicts the uh, gay rights and LBGTQRS, whatever, uh, movement of the day. They not only do it, but they have pleasure. They're proud of it. And, uh, you know, if you read uh, Romans 1 there, or if you read Leviticus, you read other references in the Bible, uh, it talks about vile affections, the natural use going against nature, being unseemly, their error, a reprobate mind, not convenient or not appropriate. I mean, homosexuality is a sin. It's wrong. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 lists a lot of sins, and then it says, and such were some of you, which I believe means that, I mean, okay, so some of you, and there's probably somebody here today that would say, man, I did that once. I, I, but you can be forgiven. But you don't have to continue in it. I mean, it may surprise you, but I've sinned once. Not, I mean, you know, not that sin, but I've sinned once. My wife will tell you more than once. Several times this morning, she'd tell you. But I got forgiven. I think we've all sinned. Read the Bible. So I didn't commit this sin. That makes me better than you. You're <laughs> no, it doesn't. But you need to turn from sin and get away from it. You can be a former liar or a former thief or a former whatever. Homosexuality. The Bible teaches everybody is born straight. The natural use of the desire, according to Rome, we just read in Romans, man has a natural desire for a woman, woman has a natural desire for a man. That's the way you're born, according to the Bible. Now, society and the internet, and I mean, you know, if you want to get counsel, don't get counsel off the internet of all things. Some YouTube video. Go to your parents, go to your pastor. Read the Bible. I mean, that's where the truth is. Don't, don't sit there, oh, I wonder about this. Uh, you know, I don't know, if you want to find out how tall Mount Everest is, go look at your phone and figure it out. But if you want to find out what's right and wrong, don't look at your phone and try and say, oh, I wonder what's right and what's wrong. Look at the Bible. So I don't know where to find it in the Bible. That's why God gave you pastors. Youth directors. But anyhow, everybody's born sin. Everybody is born in sin. That's true. I want to say everybody's born straight, according to the Word of God. Homosexuality is an unnatural, and that word was used in the Scripture, is an unnatural desire developed by society. And again, sins within the body are going to mess up your life and your future. Let me move on and talk. I preached a lot more on that last year. 
Go back and get a copy of last year. Someday maybe I'll put out a booklet on it. But let me say, secondly, God made only men and women. It's all he made. This whole transgender thing is an abomination in the sight of God. I mean, you go back and think about what we just read in uh, Genesis chapter 1, 26 to 28. Male and female created he them. And somebody says, oh yeah, but he's talking, you know, but your gender is not the same as your biological sex. I, I don't, you know, it's... I don't like using that word necessarily here, and I'm going to try and avoid it, and I'm going to use the word gender as a substitute for it. When I talk about gender, most of the time here in this message, I'm referring to your biological gender. The way the world uses the world is using the word gender now is like, you know, your feelings. And somebody would say, well, God created a male and female. That means they had male feelings or female feelings. No, it doesn't. It's talking about their body. Because the next verse, it says, go, you know, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And the only way you be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth is if you have a male body and a female body. I mean, that's all there is to it. Jesus gave his stamp of approval on the same thing. If you turn into Matthew uh, chapter uh, 19, verses 4 to 6, and I've got them marked here. You can just jot the notes. And he answered and said unto them, Jesus answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? Well, that's the Old Testament. Jesus, you know, every word in this book, Old Testament, New Testament, I mean, it's all inspired of God. But Jesus here in Matthew 19, 4, says, He that made, which made them at the beginning made them male and female. And he said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. So... <laughs> He's presuming you've got a father and a mother, and I guarantee you, you've got a father and a mother if you're alive. You didn't come from two fathers or two mothers. Now, Jesus said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, male and female, and they, shall be one, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh. Therefore what, uh, what therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. And, uh, you know, Jesus says, look, God made you male and female. There is no third gender. Everybody is male or female. No one is both. I mean, according to the Bible, it's all God made. My, I think back... Uh, you know, my ninth grade biology class. That was a long time ago. But I can still remember it. And they taught us that all our, bod our bodies have chromosomes in them. And that if you're a male, you have an X chromosome and a Y chromosome, and that's what makes you a male. And those cro your chromosomes all through your body have an X and a Y. That applies to you know, basically every cell in your body. Your hair, your teeth, I mean, your brain, you got an X and a Y if you're a guy. If you're a girl, you've got two X chromosomes. 
That's the way it is. And, uh, you know, you, if you're a female, you have two X, two X chromosomes. You're, you know, people are saying today, well, you, sometimes gender assigned at birth. Gender is not assigned at birth. Gender is determined at conception, and it's recognized at birth. Or nowadays with sonograms and all that, before birth often. But it's not assigned. It's simply recognized. It's determined at conception when you have an X and a Y, and you're going to be a guy, or you are a guy at that moment. Or you have two X's, and you're a female. And you look at every, any, you know, the animals, uh, you know, the, the uh, and somebody says, well, you know, I study and some, my teacher says some, there's some anomalies in some chromosomes and one out of so many thousands and thousands of thousands have it. But you know what? Everybody develops as a female body to carry the baby or in animals sometimes, you know, and so on. Uh, as a female body or as a male body to be the partner in conception. I mean, that's how your body develops, male or female. And uh, you know, that, that's all there is. Gender is not assigned at birth. Gender is recognized at birth. It's determined at conception. Uh, you know, you don't need a purple unicorn to help you figure out whether you're a boy or a girl. Somebody says, I have a boy's body, but I feel like a girl. What does that even mean? Amen. What does it mean to feel like a girl? Amen. You know, you ladies, I, I've been in ministry over 50 years. I've counseled, I, I'm sure, three girls a day at least on average, young ladies, college age, most of them. At least three guys a day, 50 years. That'd be 50,000 women, 50,000 men, more than that. And I'll tell you this about all the guys I've counseled. They all have different feelings about different things. They don't all feel the same. Brother Dallas and I don't, all, don't feel the same about everything. Our feelings don't always match. Brother Young and I don't always have the... Brother, You know what? But we're all men. You know what we have in common? A male body. And I've, again, I've counseled, I'm sure, well over 50,000 men in 50 years of ministry. And they're, they're all feel differently about different things. But they all have a male body. I've counseled over 50,000 women. And they all feel differently about different things. But they all have a female body. I mean, they're... What does it mean to say, I feel like a man feels? I mean, how does a man feel? Identify that. How does a woman feel? Well, sometimes I'm emotional and I cry. I got a message a while back from a sweet young couple. Said, Brother Jorgensen, pray for us. We just lost our baby. My eyes got teary. As I responded, I hurt for him, felt tender, sorry. I'm a guy. 
You don't feel, if that doesn't touch your heart, I mean, and uh, you, know, you know people, you don't know people, some things touch your hearts more than others. How are you supposed to, again, what, what does it even mean to feel like a, you know, I have the mind of, what's a woman's mind? What's a man's mind? It can, you know, and nobody defines that. You, you read their literature, they, they, don't, <clears throat> they don't say this is what, if you have these six things that you think or feel, then you're a man and these six you're a woman. They, they just, you know, what happens is to our young people, uh, you know, some of you feel like, well, I don't like my body. I'm not happy with my body. So maybe I'm not really a girl, I maybe really I'm a boy in a girl's body, or maybe I'm a girl in a boy's body because I don't like my body, or I feel insecure, or I'm being picked on, or I just don't really fit in with the other guys. So maybe I'm a girl. Then will make you fit in. I mean, that's crazy. And they... Gender identity, as the world uses the words today, is not measurable. There's no test that can identify it. There's no objective criterion in saying this is what makes you feel boy or feel girl. It's simply a self-declared thing that I think I must be. And then the idiots, I mean, you go in and you say as a 12-year-old boy or 12-year-old girl, I think I'm really... And they start giving you pills and talking about surgeries. Oh, as I get older, I go to the doctor quite a bit. I've never walked in and said, doctor, here's what I think. Would you do surgery on me tomorrow? I mean, well, yeah, but I think I have this. Would you take, you know, would you cut on me tomorrow? He said, no. We need to test you. Need to find out if that's really what it is or not. Let me examine you. But you walk in and say, "Well, I think I'm a girl, but I'm a, I've got a boy's body," and they'll say, "Okay, that must be what you are." What, what, what? You know why they don't test you, ask you a question? Because there aren't any. There is no objective criteria. There, there's nothing that they can point at and say, "This is it." And. Uh, yeah, I heard a story about one boy, young boy went in, talked to the doctor, a young boy, and said, I think I, I'm, a, I'm a girl. And they started talking to him a while and found out that they, he, had a, uh, he was the only child for a while, and mother, they had a uh, baby sister, and mother was a lot more affectionate towards the baby sister, spent more time with the baby sister, and so he figured if I could just be a girl, mama would love me as much as she does my sister. Now, that boy doesn't need pills and he doesn't need surgery he needs counseling from the word of God I mean why would you somebody comes in and says uh, you know I've dealt with uh, people in counseling through the years and 50 years you know 47 whatever in Bible college work 49 you know sometimes usually girls will come in I'm anorexic and they're t- eating and vomiting. I mean, it doesn't happen often, but occasionally, 50 years, I've dealt with it. And they're eating and vomiting, eating and vomiting. So you, you don't take somebody like that in and say, oh, so you think you're overweight. Tell you what, we'll start doing surgeries to cut weight off your body. 
Why would you do that? That person doesn't need surgery. They need counseling from the Word of God. Dealt with a few girls that, you know, that generally girls are cutting themselves. And, uh, you know, you don't say, oh, okay, you want your body, we'll take you, we'll cut on you more. We'll cut this part off. No, you don't do that. You give them counseling from the Word of God. Somebody comes in, I've never had anybody come in and said, you know, Brother Jorgensen, I feel like I'm a bird. We don't say, but there are people who think they're animals. We don't say, oh, well, okay, if you're a bird, then we'll start doing surgeries on you to give you extra skin under your arms and work out. That doesn't apply to anything else. Why would it apply to your gender or your sex? It's crazy. It's not Bible. You can mutilate a male body. You can medicate it and try and get it to develop differently or stop it from developing. But you're always going to have a male body. You can mutilate a female body and cut parts off and sew parts on, but you got an X and a Y, an X and a Y, you're a male, and two X's make a female. You can't change the one body into the other body. Again, you can cut it up or medicate it to make it look like the other body, but it's still XX or XY. It's all there is. Uh, you, can't, you can't change it from one to the other. You can start getting into gender reassignment drugs or gender reassignment surgeries, and you're increasing suicide risks. You get people later that want to go back, but you can't go back. You get into very much of that, even the drugs before the surgery and, and different steps of it, and I'm trying to... But uh, you, know, you won't have children even, even long before you get to the surgeries. You won't, have, you won't have children. So just in case you ever think, guys, that you might want to be a dad, don't start messing with that. And you'll never be a... Dads, you'll never be a mom. Girls, you'll never have a baby. You start getting into, this, into the different drugs for that kind of stuff. Somebody, uh, God created male and female. That's what the Bible says. That's what biology confirms. <clears throat> you go against God, God's plan, it's going to hurt you emotionally. Increase suicides. And you read the books, you can do this. I mean, it's all the studies are there. Suicide six times, ten times more prominent. People that go through this kind of mess, you'll have struggles with your identity. You'll have struggles with depression. Physically, it'll give you heart problems and things like that. Again, you won't have children. It'll decrease your lifespan. And uh, you can get in all kinds of other stuff that God made you. <clears throat> you want to accept, get my water. Accept what God made you. I mean, I used, to, <clears throat> I used to play sports. There were times I wished I were stronger, quicker, more coordinated. I am what I am. 
You know, I mean, <clears throat> when I, I, I never, I don't care how hard I worked, I never would have played in the NBA. I mean, I wouldn't have even made it on the court on the Kentucky basketball team. I wouldn't have even made it on the court. I mean, I, it wouldn't matter how, I mean, that, that's, I, I don't have those abilities. That's okay. God made me. Accept yourself, accept your body. And, uh, you know, to say, well, you know, I I feel we had a, and then accept your body and accept who you are and you ought to work to improve yourself. I just always had a quick temper and some people more prone to that than others. Well, you work to correct it. But improve yourself had an old song they used to sing, and I haven't heard it in years. God made you very special. That's why he made you special. You're the only one of your kind. He gave you a body and a bright, healthy mind. He had a special purpose that he wanted you to find. So he made you very special. You're the only one of your kind. Accept yourself. God made you. I mean, you work to improve yourself, but you're the only one of your kind. Never been another person exactly like me. Never been another person exactly like you. We're unique. Everything from our fingerprint to everything about us. And uh, God loves you. People love you. Don't try and change. And then uh, number three, and I'm running out of time, and they didn't give me a time, but I you know, don't want to go too long. I wouldn't want to listen to myself too much more. The Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery, Exodus 20, 14. The physical act between a man and a woman is to be only within marriage. Message of society today is find a companion you know, you find somebody you like and you kind of start getting along and so then you try doing it maybe some and, and if everything's going pretty good, then you move in together and you live together a while. And if that's going pretty good, then maybe you consider marriage. And that, that's the message of society today. It's what you see on television, what you see in the workplace. I mean, not at our workplace. <laughs> Not at Commonwealth, not at Clay's Mill. But it's what you see in the secular workplace. It's what you see in society, you go out bus calling or visiting people. This is my girlfriend, this is my boyfriend. No shame. The Bible still calls that adultery. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And again, you start messing with sins within the body. It's not even a matter of God. God will judge that. But beyond that, you're bringing consequences on yourself that are going to be hard to live with. The uh, Bible teaches you ought to get married and stay married. When I was a little bit older than you, I went to camp several years, worked at a Christian camp, and the camp director used to preach every Thursday night a message along the line. I mean, he didn't deal with transgender stuff, didn't exist. 
I guess maybe it did. As far as that goes, homosexuality didn't hurt. I mean, I guess there was people, but you never saw it or heard of it 50 years ago. But he used to preach every Thursday night, God's plan in marriage is one man and one woman for life. I mean, that's, you read the Bible at all, you can't help but see that that's God's plan. And you find people in the Bible that went outside that, had multiple wives, always led to problems. God didn't judge them immediately, but it never worked. God's plan in marriage, I mean, <laughs> what did we just read? Jesus said, man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Doesn't say anything about wives or husbands. You got a father and mother, a man and a woman, a family. Young people, you want to be careful and you want to save yourself for your mate. You want to save yourself for the marriage altar. I'm glad I can say that I've had one woman in my life and that's my wife. Never had to worry about, well, I wonder if she got pregnant. Never had to walk in, preach anywhere and say, Wonder if, and I've preached, I don't know, not a lot, especially in tour groups and so on. I don't, you know, 50, 60 churches a year while we were traveling for the college here. Never had to walk into a church anywhere and say, I wonder if she'll be there tonight. The woman that I slipped off, because that woman doesn't exist. Nice way to live. I mean, God's plan is a good plan. God's right about everything. This book's right about everything. Don't live like animals. Live like God. Practice purity. You ought to stay out of situations where you can. Best way to keep doing from doing wrong is to stay out of situations where you can. 1 Corinthians 7, 1 does say it's good for a man not to touch a woman. And I don't know, you can argue about what that means and all that exactly is okay to shake hands or whatever. But, but I'll tell you this. If you don't start holding hands, you're not going to kiss. And maybe you may argue, well, I think if you're going, you know, maybe it'd be okay to hold hands or whatever. Our rule's against it. I'm against it. But, I, you know, if you want to argue, well, maybe that'd be okay if you're going to get married or something. Again, I'm against it. I think it's wrong. Our rules here are against it. We don't allow any physical contact between the guys and girls of the college, the academy, whatever. But I tell you, regardless of all that, if you don't start holding hands, you're probably not going to start kissing. If, you're going to start, if you don't start kissing, you're probably not going to start touching inappropriately in places you shouldn't. And if you don't start doing that, you're probably not going to wind up messed up with regret. I mean, it, it just stay out of situations where you can. Don't go looking to find places where you can be alone. God wants you to stay pure until you get married. And then God wants you, to, God gives you a mate, a husband, a wife to enjoy the gifts that he gave you, including your body. And it's, it's the marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. It's a good thing within marriage. 
God will forgive you if you've messed up in the past. All any of us can do is say, God, from this point forward, I'm going to, volunteer, I'm going to vow to do right. And again, you get, you, regardless of what, you know, not, you can't undo, none of us can undo what we've done. We've all sinned in different ways. But we can come to God and say, from this point forward, God, I'm going to stay pure. I'm going to, I'm going to aim to, I'm going to bow to marry pure. I'm going to be faithful to my mate. I want to serve God. Again, God's plan for marriage it is so obvious in the Bible is one man and one woman for life. 